Hello and welcome to season two of Personal Threads, a podcast about the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Royal Ascot, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform and dictate our personal style. Each time, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a journey throughout their life, stopping at key moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' very individual taste. I am your host, Scott Wimsett, and my career in TV and online has spanned almost 20 years as a fashion broadcaster and fashion film director. It gives me great pleasure to bring this second season of Personal Threads to you, and oh my goodness, have we got some fabulous guests for you all. Our next guest on Personal Threads really is a true player within the fabric of the Royal Ascot family and a deeply loved, world-renowned milliner, her work often celebrated for its sense of playfulness, flamboyance and pure eccentricity. From a child, she was always busy creating anything and everything from sculptures, installations, customising and making clothes, until at 21, she became a jobbing stylist here in London. Early on in her career, she found herself styling a pearly kings and queens shoot and was missing that final touch. So thank goodness for us all, she customised a flat cap with pearl buttons and this became the epiphany moment for using hats as her artistic canvas and Victoria Grant, the milliner, was born. She had always been inspired by military hats and ceremonial dress, so she decided to start making her own pieces for shoots and Victoria's first pieces sold immediately and she quickly became inundated with bespoke offers. Having gained inspiration from a very young age by visiting the Honourable Artillery Company with her father, her passion for British heritage and culture became clearly evident in her design and her now very unique globally recognised aesthetic. Known for her individual and exciting take on millinery and her ability to celebrate her clients' distinctiveness, her hats carry the kind of recognition that are both arresting and awe-inspiring, fusing together all of her interests in art, couture and British heritage. Her creations are timeless, elegant and sophisticated. An absolute must within high fashion magazines with exclusive clients such as Madonna, Beyonce, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Nicole Kidman and Cara Delevingne to name a few, with her works regularly featured in editorials shot by Ellen Von Unworth, Annie Leibovitz, Merton Marcus, Nick Knight, Urgen Teller and featured within Vogue, Tatler, Harper's and the world's leading editorial titles. Ultimately, she is a major in millinery and she is also my friend. How lovely to have you with us, Victoria. How are you doing, darling? Thank you so much for having me. This is this is uh, very exciting to be here. I love the show that you're doing. And of course, it's a treat and a joy to see you for any reason at all. So this is uh, lovely. Jumping straight in, in that moment of suddenly realising, wait a minute, that was a quick idea on a pearly kings and queens shoot to make a hat, to make that overall visual impact. And then suddenly realising... I love this and I think I might have a calling as a milliner. Talk to us about that actual moment, how that all fell into place. Mm. Well, it's funny because it, it kind of happened quite accidentally and possibly backwards. And indeed, actually here on this very street, Broadwick Street. Wow. Yes. Um, so I... I I was very happy to discover this canvas that I could outlay all of my ideas on. It was quite helpful to have that anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that stage, I I didn't know how to actually construct the shape and the form of a hat, which soon became my next step. 
but I was walking down this road and my hats had been taken to Michiko Kashino. That was my first stockist. And I was stopped outside and someone said, hey, Victoria, I didn't know you were a millionaire. I've just seen your hats in Michiko. Wow. And I said, I'm not a millionaire, but uh, I'd like to be. And I quite literally did not know what the term millionaire meant. <laughs> so that was the defining moment when somebody told me you are you a millionaire. And then I made it, you know, my absolute ambition and goal to discover and find a way to authentically make the entire form and become a proper millionaire. How long did that process take? Because obviously then you're a young 21-year-old jobbing as a stylist in London, suddenly see this opportunity, this moment, and then like, this is actually me. I think this is my calling. I am a milliner. So what was that time that it took to actually really hone the craft? Obviously, it's an evolving thing and it's ongoing, but to feel that you'd sort of arrived. It is indeed ongoing. Um, Gosh, I mean, I will say I absolutely love what I do. It's a real passion. Um, And I have worked incredibly hard day and night for decades on end. Um, So when I think I felt a sense of accomplishment once I had really, really learnt to to make the structure Mm -hmm. and the form and I had sort of endless visits to McCulloch and Wallace, picking up things and curiously saying, oh, what's what's this and what's that used for? And, you know, it was there that they said, oh, that's felt and you need steam and then you you need a block. And basically that's how I learnt what was needed to make a hat. And I'd also go down to John Lewis. I bought a sewing machine from a lovely lady in John Lewis called Gloria. You love Gloria. And poor Gloria, because I would just show <laughs> up almost on a daily basis. <laughs> More questions. Batting my eyelids going, Gloria, I'm not quite sure how to do this. So Gloria taught me to sew. Wow. And McCulloch and Wallace told me what everything was used for. And then being sort of as independent and stubborn as I am, I sort of found my way through to making millinery. I've got this glorious image of you sort of late at night with the candles burning, with the steam coming up and you sort of like creating this masterpiece. Was it just that sort of, you know, much of a private time in the late hours of the night, making sure that you were sort of nailing your craftsmanship? Yes. You know, obviously to support myself, I continued styling. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was doing things, you know, like styling TV commercials. So that funded me um, and made it possible for me to sort of buy all the materials that I needed and then yeah I would just work every god given hour um until I was walking through Covent Garden and stumbled across Coco de Mer where you can be really theatrical remember that time yeah and that and that would be when I would say that I had you know I became a proper milliner because I was making top hats and really sort of ornate and well-structured millinery pieces. You talk about the kind of understanding of the craft and and how you disciplined yourself, but going right back to the beginning, you know, uh, young eyes, wide open Victoria, sort of, you know, who was around from a style perspective? Who was sort of disciplining your ideas about that's stylish, that's not? You know, was there a wacky aunt? Was there a music band that you were into? Because at Personal Threads, we like to sort of really unpick what was the visual collateral that you had to play with as as a young person? Ooh, you know, I've actually never thought about this. And one person springs largely to mind as you say that, and that would be Prince. Yes. Um, I don't think I've given Prince enough credit, but his whole <laughs> essence and flair um, has always been a deep favourite of mine. Um, you know, I love rock and roll. I love jazz. I love kind of 
old musicians from sort of all, all periods. Um, and I think that they subconsciously and consciously will always influence me in terms of style. Um, my grandpa was a very eccentric dresser. You know, he used to go on cruises with my granny and they'd have like caftans and giant crystal necklaces, Amazing. like really, and, t you know, beads with teeth on. And, and then my dad has always been a very sort of sartorial dresser, always with a carnation in the top pocket of his pinstripe suit. So I was, I was very um, captured by that gentleman dressing, mm -hmm. which I've adopted I'm going to say, Victoria is wearing style. a beautifully tailored <laughs> black jacket and pants. Um, with a silver-pointed MBE. With this, <laughs> yeah, it's well done. Congratulations on that. And talk to us about your papa, because, you know, he features heavily in the way that, you know, you really love what he stands for in regards to style and just obviously from a millinery perspective. So give us a little bit of context about Daddy. Yeah. So, um, well, number one, I admire my dad tremendously because he really came from nothing and no family wealth and actually, you know, just a, a single mother. And he has kind of built himself on everything that he's done. It was actually the, the RAF that funded my dad to be able to go to school because his father was in the RAF and got killed. And my dad has therefore had this sort of connection with the military and the services. And he joined the Honourable Artillery Company, you know, in the TA when he was younger and consequently has just always been sort of involved with that military background. I've always been exposed to all of that tradition and heritage from a symbolic way, but also all of the attire that they dress in, of course, with these robes, with beautiful, beautiful tassels and ribbons and the military brocades, mm. the uniform, the quality, um, and also the hardware, the gold shiny buttons and... You know, I've, I, I'm, I'm very, very into all of those exquisite details and I often use them within my my work. Was there a milliner around at the time sort of doing a similar thing? Because it feels that's very much your sector of millinery that you've mm. sort of honed in on and it's and it's yours. Would you say that there were other people around doing a similar thing or not really? Yes, I, I do think so, and I and I hope I hope so. I've always been inspired by what I can't find. Mm -hmm. People say, "Well, what you know? Do you look back to the thirties and the twenties? And I really don't actually. I I don't like looking back, and I don't really like sort of researching. I, I've got a very sort of spontaneous and impulsive theme within my work, mm -hmm. and I like to try and explore and find new things. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, there was millinery when I entered it was really quite a formal and occasion affair. There wasn't as much playfulness. And that's where I really wanted to enter in. You know, well, what about parties and themes? Yeah. And, you know, let's bring all these characters out and be playful with it, even be a little bit mischievous with it. Have all of the formality as well, but really kind of make it fun and interactive, but not just for you know, formal occasions. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's your thing as well. You know, people feel with the permission and freedom that you can wear hats every single day of the week and, and play characters and have fun and just, you know, just enjoy how it becomes like the sort of signature or the sort of icing on top of the cake with your look. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, as you just said, hats do have a huge amount of character, possibly more than other garments. There's just something about hats that, you know, as you try different ones on, you watch them bringing out different characters within the people wearing them. It's it's a really beautiful thing to watch. 
It certainly is. Now, to me, you're a total sort of magical fairy, uh, but one with a quick wit and true individualism. Is this freedom of expression and bringing theatre and I guess gratitude for the moment presented to you? Or does that come by learning just who you are? I sort of I just feel that you're like that true creative in that way of being really present. Mm, I think, first of all, thank you. I really like all of that. Um I think it is, I think it's just authentic. I think it's just like having the confidence and the trust now after this amount of time in my ability as a as a milliner to just feel like it's okay to be playful and express myself vividly. You know, people seem to enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's sort of just an, a natural part of my character that, that seems to come through in my, in my hats. What what are the disciplines that you undertake to maintain a career at this level? You know, you 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 work with a team, and then sometimes you're working alone, and you're on deadlines. And obviously, you know, whether it's sort of red carpet season or racing season or weddings, or you know, you're a busy, busy bee, and mm. you're you're flying all over the world. And you know, how does how does it sort of what creative environment do you need to be in to be kind of still delivering at that level? Creatively, when I'm dreaming up the new collections. Um, I really need to be on my own with amazing music, whether it's opera or Chopin or the Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's 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 giving my spe- myself the space and the time to drop into my creativity, which can't be rushed and can't be interrupted. Mm-hmm. So I'm very isolated and insular when I create. That's essential to, to me personally. Um, so, you know, I sort of, obviously we've got the studio in Portobello where we make everything. I have a very small team and we all do all of the sort of messy, constructive stuff there. And then I welcome clients to my atelier in Notting Hill. And sometimes I will just sort of sneak off and hide away to, to work on bespoke in my Notting Hill atelier because, yeah, I just need to be in the moment without any distraction Mm. Um, and yeah, music really helps me drop into that flow and, and, uh, and regular walks through nature and the park. I, I know it sounds kind of silly, no, but those totally are imperative to my creativity. Process. Mm. Yeah. And you feel that, you know, you feel that you've lived with those pieces a bit, you know, when you kind of come into the atelier or you've actually had the joy I have because you made the hats for my wedding in Los Angeles. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Uh, you know, there feels a lot of love. And it feels like you physically have spent time, which some of other brands that might not feel the same way. It's a very individual uh, connection you have with your your work. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we don't. Um, I've never. I've I've never liked the idea of being a sort of huge brand. I've always wanted this sort of small little special, you know, if you discover those that know, know, you know, sort of you have to have an appointment to come. Mm. We don't have a shop face. And I really like it that way because I'm able to remain completely authentic Mm. in the work that I do in our processes. So, you know, with my small team, we do still hand block everything. Everything is hand stitched. It's so interesting how it feels different. Well, it does. Yeah, I am. I yeah I did experiment briefly about ten years ago with having some of our hats blocked externally, mm-hmm. but it just I I don't use them. I had all these blocks made and they just they're different. They don't have that feel. They just they just weren't as nice. So we still do everything by hand, which means we can't do huge numbers mm-hmm. of anything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, there's there's a certain amount that my team are trained up to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But obviously with bespoke and sort of the positioning in terms of it is like a signature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are certain bits which I will have to finish on each hat because it is it's like a personal handwriting. The millinery community is so unique. You yeah. know, in that way that it's it's very connected, it's very supported. Like when you first started out and you sort of, I guess, enter the world of millinery within the UK initially, like who was looking out for you? Who kind of had your back, was holding your hand and sort of gave you a bit of advice? Stephen Jones. He is the most delightful, delightful man, an absolute master, king of his craft, of course, He's very generous, very kind, very supportive, warm, and has just got the most lovely, 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 warm personality. And I do remember phoning him, gosh, years and years ago, and he very generously gave me a a really useful and supportive little pep talk, and I shall be forever grateful. When we're talking about amazing British milliners, how do you see your work categorized, if you will, when they're speaking about, you know, Philip Tracy or Stephen Jones, you know, when Victoria Grant comes into conversation, which you always do when we're talking about great British milliners, Mm. what's your place at the table? When I think about am I in the fashion industry, am I in the millinery industry, I actually feel like I'm more in the party industry. People come to me to celebrate. And as you well know, of course, I absolutely love doing the more formal and traditional affairs such as, you know, making uh, making all these wonderful hats for Royal Ascot and for the garden parties at Buckingham Palace and for people getting married, all of those occasions that you would expect as a milliner. But um, I think in addition to that, which may be my sort of my zone, is all of these amazing parties that people have around the world. You know, they'll hire a, a Riyadh in Marrakesh and I'll, I'll make everybody's kind of glitterati fezzes and sort of wow. themed pieces for that. So I, I feel like I have a real playground in terms of people coming and saying, I'm going to this themed party in Brazil and I need to look incredible. Please go wild. Let your imagination run as wild as it possibly can. So so talk to me about that process. So somebody's coming in for that bespoke appointment with Victoria mm. Grant and it's very much that you get to know them and then it becomes quite an intimate moment to actually kind of understand their character, obviously taking into consideration the event itself, but then how just far you can take it from a sort of narrative and storytelling perspective mm. with the millinery piece. Yeah, it is um, It is very much, as you said, it, it is an intimate and somewhat sacred affair actually doing the bespoke because, you know, people will come to the atelier. I, I usually recommend uh, 40 minutes and quite quite frequently people just don't ever want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite seductive, but, the environment. Uh, yeah. And there's like, you know, so many options to try on. It's lots of fun. It, yeah, it, it is. It is always a fun experience. And so people will arrive and depending on the time of day, we'll either have sit down and have a cup of tea together or a glass of champagne, a little bit of a chat so that I can tune into their character. Um, and of course, it, it, you know, we look at what is the event, what should be adhered to, mm-hmm. what is appropriate mm-hmm. to wear at that event. Mm-hmm. But it's really crucial for me to get a vibe of my client's actual character because I 
do not want to make a hat that sits on top of somebody. No. You know, it has to be an expression of them. And I'm sort of in charge of intuiting that and creating it into a sort of manifesting it into a physical hat. So so what are the rules? You know, obviously we speak about this a lot at Royal Ascot, you know, just what would be the rules when you're sort of, you know, going for a private appointment with somebody like a Victoria Grant to just think about how to wear the hat, what you should go for, mm. what you should take into consideration. So what sort of things are you talking mm. about with your clients? Sure. So for Royal Ascot, the, the, the rules are that your hat must be no less than 10 centimetres or four inches. Um, which is actually very small, so it does leave the door open to, to more designs that, than you might imagine. Um, and I think essentially what they're, you know, what they're suggesting is that when you attend Royal Ascot, wear something with a bit more structure, wear a, a piece of real millinery, as opposed to a, as opposed to a headband with some feathers and sort of accoutrement. It's, it's about sort of, you know, wearing sort of really celebrating proper millinery. So hence the slightly larger piece and obviously you know traditionally hats used to be worn on the right by the ladies so that the, the gentleman could escort them on the left um, I'm quite flexible with that and I would balance the hat according to what looks best on their face you know according to their bone structure and their hairline with Ascot it's it's that wonderful time of the year where you really can go as big as you want on your millinery you know you it's not like going to a wedding where you have to think of somebody sitting behind you yeah. and you mustn't wear something too tall in the church Ascot's that one time of year where you can go as big as you like and you know really really celebrate millinery yeah, it absolutely is. And especially on the Gold Cup Day as well. It's so wonderful to see these incredible, stylish, amazing women all arriving with their very unique, you know, often bespoke kind of millinery pieces. Yes. Um, what kind of woman and man sort of come through the, the doors of your atelier? Who who are they? What are the kind of common characters, traits that you see in them? Like who wears a Victoria Grant hat? Mm. Well, I tell you what I find really heartwarming is actually how many different types of character and age we do have come through those doors. From younger, sort of 18-year-olds going to, to parties or weddings up to, you know, fabulously eccentric, you know, ladies in their in their sort of late 70s, 80s. The the women that come through our doors are they're they're stylish in their own sense, they're well-traveled, they're quite cultural. They're interested in in the arts and in music, and and they have a sense of humour. They they do have a sense of humour. Not all of them, which is fine, but yeah, certainly, I think they enjoy the wit and the humour within my within some of my pieces for sure. I should say so, and I think that's sort of emulated as well by your community, your friend groups, because I, I sort of look at that, and uh, hopefully I'm a part of that as well. But I Absolutely. feel I feel a little bit that there's sort of certain types of characters that one gravitates to in life, and I, you know, quite often if I'm looking at sort of society pictures of parties and stuff, I'll see you with your close friends, be it sort of Philip Salon and Alice Templey and you know uh, Amanda Harlick and Sarah of London, like all of these characters that have this sort of real sense of freedom of expression. Yeah, very which is, true. Which is so great. Free spirits. Well Free said. spirits. Yes, very yeah. much so. You know, a lot of my clients are very creative themselves, whether they're designers and creators themselves or they, they're just extremely amazing at expressing themselves through their through their dress. They all have a lot to say. They have a lot and, to and say. And they contribute greatly to making, you know, making our world more colourful, more fun, 
and and richer in so many ways. Richer in so many ways. You're absolutely right. Now, about your personal style as well, because I guess I've watched that evolve over the years and, you know, you've always really understood sort of silhouette and tailoring. And I definitely can see with regards to millinery how, you know, you style your hair and you have your signature lip. And, you know, there's certain Victoria Grant-isms that sort of play out. But with time, it's just incredible to watch just how polished it has become with the sense of colour and, yeah, this sort of silhouette tailoring. It's just, it seems that they've all kind of come together in this way of art where the sort of millinery and what you physically are wearing just marry together. So talk to me a little bit about that journey as mm. where you've got to now. Oh, well, thank you. So I think first and foremost, I am very busy. I run around a lot and, you know, most of the time I'm scrambling around on my hands and knees in the studio getting absolutely filthy and covered in pins and fluff and feathers. And so... I need to feel comfortable and ready, you know, to, to run around and be busy. I do want to look good, but I, I've essentially got to be able to carry out all my functions as well. So I always wear flat shoes so I can run around. And I love tailoring because it does give that instant kind of polished look. You can wear something really, really simple underneath and then a nicely cut jacket, um, a nice bit of jewellery. Um, and then the beauty of the hat is that you can wear quite simple palette of clothes and then you just pop this hat on and it sort of brings everything to life and also makes it look like you spent hours getting dressed, whereas actually you've just flung a hat on. I was going to say, there's like easy easier. wins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about working with all the mega global superstars that you do, I'm just sort of interested for them, obviously, because they're like style icons um, and they have to consider so many different things when they're perhaps performing in a hat or wearing it mm. for a red carpet or for editorial or etc. So talk to us a little bit about how that world works in regards to your millinery and then a global talent. Yeah, yeah. It is very different when you're creating hats for the stage. There is obviously so much that needs to be considered. When it's, you know, big superstars like Madonna and Beyonce, they're, you know, they, they move a lot on stage. And there are things to consider, like you need you almost make sure that the neck area isn't constricted so they can sing properly. If you're using sequins and jewels, that these are covered in sort of fine mesh to avoid the possibility of something getting snagged. You know, there are all these kind of amazing layers and levels technical of detail, things technical yeah. things that you have to consider and activate but make it all look invisible so you know there's a huge amount that goes into making something look effortlessly wearable particularly when it's going to go on stage and get thrashed around in amazing dance routines <laughs> i mean that must be such a thrilling moment i mean i imagine sort of opening editorial titles and seeing your creations worn by talent but also just seeing it in situ dancing yeah. on a stage of, yeah it must be amazing it is absolutely it's super exciting um and yeah, you know, quite often I wish I was getting packed up in a little hat box and travelling around as much as my hats do. <laughs> <laughs> the journey of the life of a Victoria Grant yeah. hat. Um, sustainability. Obviously, we've been discussing this as our theme at Royal Ascot and mm. just how important I feel that that conversation needs to be constantly spoken about in every occasion where every fashion moment that's happening. And I think, you know, there's a bit of a line in the sand and we are looking at things very, very differently from a sustainability perspective. And it's exciting. Mm. There's a lot that needs to happen in a short amount of time but it does 
feel that millinery really lends itself to sustainability in the way of craftsmanship and heritage. And actually, you're making a piece that lasts forever. So I'm so interested in your take on, you know, you must be asked this a lot and it Mm. must be kind of, you know, a conversation that's really active in your industry. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, more so than ever now, although sustainability... um, has always been at the heart of what we do. And I think you're quite right. Millinery does make it, or to be a milliner at my scale, makes it quite easy to be sustainable because everything that we do is made to order. So we have zero wastage. There is a lot, you know, most of our materials are recyclable, as in can we can recycle. We can recycle them within, you know, different projects. And... You know, a lot of what we purchase for the really beautiful bespoke hats will be antique or vintage jewellery. Um, obviously, all of our all of our materials are ethically sourced within the UK, mm-hmm. and you know we're making very very small quantities mm-hmm. of everything. You know, most of our hats will be a one off. Mm-hmm. If you know, maximum, there's not going to be more than ten per mm-hmm. per style. So there's very little wastage, and obviously as we do make everything entirely by hand, there isn't, you know, apart from a steamer and the iron, um, you know, there's no machinery involved. It's all, it's all just very old craftsmanship. So we're quite lucky it's able to, to to work so sustainably. And it allows you, therefore, to answer the question you, the, the way that you did with complete authenticity yeah. because you, you, you don't have this big, gigantic infrastructure that sort of churns out tons of product and with yeah. your name on it. Yeah. It's actually very sort of particular, bespoke and one-offs, as you say. So it it's ticks all the boxes for sustainability. Well done. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about um, inspiring people in your life... Like you've had a really colourful journey. And I know from your fashion world connections to your art world, like there's so many incredible people that you've met along the way. If you Mm. had to sort of dial up somebody from a style perspective that sort of really sits with you and you go, wow, actually just what you stand for and how you nail it is quite awe-inspiring. So who, who would be those people? My clients inspire me. These amazing women walk through the door and they're dressed incredibly and they're doing amazing things with their life. I am inspired by my clients, you know, and and that's, I think, a really, really lucky and magical thing about what I do. I think it is, isn't it? You know, that way of like them coming through the door and then you have that intimate time with them. And I guess there's a sort of element of storytelling. They share a lot about their life or, you know, where they're going to, what the event it is. And then as they try on all of these pieces, all these characters play out and then it does become, as you say, very inspiring. Mm, it does. But uh, so on, on a speed dial for style, when I know that I need and want to look good, I will always pick up the phone to Alice Templey because she has <laughs> the most the most exquisite pieces at all times. So definitely Alice. Um, Daniel Lismore can be fabulous for a, a few styling tips. Uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Olympia, her, Charlotte Delal, obviously her pieces are absolutely stunning. And Sarah of London, my great friend, is my is my go to queen of style. Uh, she just oozes and oozes. Yes, her interiors are quite something. Talking about Royal Ascot and, of course, the Millinery Collective. Um, what does this very 
British sort of global summer racing event mean to you personally? I'm so excited about this this new fresh approach to Royal Ascot where they're really encouraging people to express themselves and you know to really dress and come as themselves and obviously they're 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 really modernizing the dress code to make it very inclusive which really reflects where we are today and I find that really very exciting. And I, I think the Millennium Collective as well, I think the sort of rules are that you're not necessarily allowed to sort of be featured twice mm. in running within the Millennium Collective. Obviously, there's a group of milliners that are sort of supported by Royal Ascot and obviously have all of that opportunity to elevate their brand with established brands and new emerging talent as well. But you did manage to sort of feature twice for the Millennium Collective with a Victoria Grant millinery piece and then your famous topper. In- so talk to us about how that came about. Indeed. I have to say I was overjoyed. I've... I've um. Top hats are really definitely one of one of our signature pieces. Um, again, I've always loved that sort of that structure and that kind of tailored finish. So I've been making top hats for many many years, and they've always been really popular for Royal Ascot. And I wanted to use one of my top hats within the Millinery Collective, and they sort of Ascot said, "Well, actually, perhaps you could do a slightly different shape." So I was delighted when I received a call last year to say. Um, specifically, could I please make one of our ladies' signature top hats for Royal Ascot? So that was a joy and a victory, I think, because I do love the, the top hats and they are so feminine, particularly our shape, which ah. has that lovely sort of cinched hourglass waist yeah. to and it. Yeah, obviously with the veil as well. And I just feel with this sort of tailoring that we're seeing, it just is a really sharp look. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of our top hats are very, very feminine. As you say, they've got veiling, they've got flowers and feathers and, you know, they're, they're very, they're very pretty. They've got that sort of tailoring and they hold that power and that stature, but they're very, very feminine and very ladylike. So when you're thinking of sort of standout visual moments across your career and you look back and go, actually, that really was special. That really meant mm. an awful lot. What sort of comes to mind? Mm, gosh, well, there are many. I feel very lucky for that. Um, but the late Karl Lagerfeld used to shoot a lot of our work for German Vogue. And one of the most exciting moments was when he used one of the photos he'd taken in his exhibition in Paris, Parcours de Travail, and he'd printed it on sort of crystal paper, which I don't think anyone had seen at that time. I found him to be like a snow leopard when he spoke. He was sort of so soft and gentle. It was really quite charming. He's amazing. Talk to me about sort of mental health, because I think what I noticed with your work, you're you're a grafter, you're working really, really hard, but you also have this ability and this magic to sort of remove yourself and you go to a safe place wherever that travel takes you, mm. where you kind of are aware of the fact that you need time for self. And I've always noticed that over the years, sort of whether it's on social media or whatever, just thinking, oh, how clever. But there she is now on this idyllic kind of palm tree lined, you know, <laughs> turquoise ocean beach on her own, yeah. in expensive sort of space of serenity and sanity. Like, how, talk me about how important that is to kind of your overall living and well-being. Yeah, it's so natural. It's it's absolutely imperative. I've always done it. I think I've travelled. I love to travel on my own because I feel like that way you're with everybody. You know, I do go on holidays with friends as well, but it's, you know, nothing beats being, you know, flinging yourself. I think this far flung as I've gone was when I went to Borneo 
I'd been working in Hong Kong and thought, I will need a break after this. So off I go to Borneo. It was like like a five or an eight hour taxi ride to this tiny little harbour. And then I had sort of a, a three or four hour speedboat ride on my own. And then I arrived at the sand and I could see, you know, there was a sort of this beautiful kind of wooden house on the, on the cliffs. And I saw this this little man kind of run, running down the jet and he said, oh, hello, Victoria. I'm so sorry, but you're the only guest here at the moment. And I just went, oh, heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> so it was just me and the turtles. I went swimming with manta rays. When I go away, I like to go as far away as possible where I will recognise no one, where I where everything will be a surprise. Nothing will be familiar. And it's the absolute sort of, antithesis of fashion there will be nothing trendy it will all be nature and beauty and rustic and that is how I stay grounded then I'm ready to come back and work again like fury when you're talking about one's legacy I guess what would you say that you want people to think about when they sort of in years to come when they sort of dial up Victoria Grant I know exactly what that would be and it's the greatest joy of what I do which is when my clients turn around to, to me and they say I feel amazing. You know, not only do I feel beautiful, not only do I feel special, but you're lighting up my heart and I feel full of life. That essence, that happiness and that sparkle, that positive, empowering energy, that's how I would like for my hats to be remembered. So obviously we're going to see you at Royal Ascot this year. Anything exciting we should be looking out for? Absolutely. So we are partnering with Flexjet, who are looking after the the helipad there. And obviously they've also got their private jets, but we're going to be doing a really beautiful installation inside of the incredible heliport that they have created and designed for this year. And we'll be doing some lovely cocktails with them also. Sounds like lots of fun. Indeed. And then we've just got some really creative and exciting bespoke projects ahead and and a couple of things up our sleeve that we can let you know later on in the year. Brilliant. Whenever I see you at Royal Ascot, it it also feels like you're really enjoying it, that it's not a work gig. It's actually something you really, really love being around. Indeed it is. And would you like to know the most bizarre coincidence? Go on then. It is my birthday on Gold Cup Day. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I the, see the celebration happening right away. Uh, the, the the busiest day in a milliner's life happens to be my birthday. So it was obviously all <laughs> in the stars all in aligned. the very beginning. It's all meant to happen. <laughs> so a couple of quick fire questions for you. Uh, lipstick or mascara? Lipstick. Go on then. Bahamas or Barbados? Ooh, either. Oh, no, you've got to choose one. Bahamas. Bahamas, great. Paris or Portobello? Paris. Great. Tailored suit or floor-length dress? Tailored suit. Caviar or champagne, Victoria? Champagne, darling. (laughs) Fedora or Stetson? Fedora. Foxtrot or nightclub dancing? Foxtrot, darling. Great. I can't wait to join you on the dance floor this summer. Um, Hats are a sign of good times. And so are you. Uh, You're such a wonderful person, a maverick and a wonderful part of the global millinery community. And thank you for your years of service to the craft and bringing us so much fun and making life just so much more interesting and celebratory. Uh, You make our world uh, just a more fabulous place to be. I love you. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. This has been really great fun to, to be in your amazing podcast. And thank you. You're so welcome. See you, Ascot. See you at Ascot.